This is the University Seventh-day Adventist Church in the sunny Orlando, Florida. We are glad that you are listening to our weekly podcast. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and challenged by our message today. And may God lead you in the next step of your growth in Him. Here is our future sermon. I have to say that this takes me back to my childhood. I was raised in Arcadia, Florida. I don't know if any of you know where that is, but it's a, it was a very small church also. And that's where I fell in love with Jesus. And what really struck me about my childhood, I got baptized when I was eight years old. But the thing is, is I would say probably, uh, probably 70% were over the age of 60. And I fell in love with Jesus at that church. And when I reflected on why, it had nothing to do with the actual building or the programs. There were no children's programs. Sabbath school was basically one lady that kind of put all the ages together. Um, but I felt really loved there. I felt love there. And they involved me and they accepted me for who I was. And that's what made me fall in love with Jesus and want to be part of that church. And I feel that same feeling when I come here. So I feel sort of like this is home. And then I look at all your beautiful children and young people and it's just like really inspiring. And I just want you to know you have a very sweet and special place. I also want to thank you for the flashlight and especially for making it pink because my husband steals flashlights. So I will know that that one's mine now. There won't be any way to steal that from me. So thank you so much. Today's uh, message is entitled, Reflections of Glory. Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God and my salvation. So when I think about what it means to be the light of the world, it doesn't always conjure up good feelings, if I'm honest. And sometimes it's when you look at your life and you think, am I really a light? Eh, I don't know. Um, what does that really mean? So when I was given the title of the message, I really started thinking about what does this really mean practically in my life? And there are four questions that I believe will help us really come to a deeper understanding of what it means to be the light of Jesus. The four questions are, who is the light? Always starting with who God is. Who is the light? What has the light done? Who are we as a result of that? And how do we respond? First question, who is the light? And I'm going to be doing, reading out a lot of scripture, so I don't know if you'll have time to look it up, but if you want to jot it down and go through it later. Um, there's just so much scripture on this topic. The Bible is just full of references to light and what God has done. But the first one that I think I want to read to answer that question, who is the light, is in John 1, verses 3 through 4. And it says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So we have Jesus as the light. And it's even more than that. Everything that was made was made through him and for him. And without him, we wouldn't be here. Without him, nothing was made. He is the light. Second question, what has the light Jesus done? What has Jesus done? We're just going to start. I love that you mentioned the gospel this morning. We're just going to start with some passages relate, that relate to the gospel. 
We're going to start with Colossians 1, 12 through 13. This is a verse that I think summarizes the gospel really well. One of, one of many. <laughs> Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. In Ephesians 2, it says that we were all dead in our trespasses. And he made us alive while we were still dead in our trespasses. He made us alive. And we see this contrast of death and life and darkness and light. So we have a couple comparisons to show where we were before Christ. So where we were before Christ was dark. Uh, uh, the way that I like to think of it is Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Amen? That's really good news because all of our righteous acts are filthy and filthy rags. But he came so that we could do these good works, so that he could put his spirit in us. So that's the first thing that he did. He brought us from darkness to light. Ephesians 5, 14 and 15 say, Therefore he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So what he's done is he's taken us from darkness to light, and he has woke us up, and he has given us light. Isaiah 60, verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In Acts, it mentions three times, and, and a couple times in Acts 7, he no longer dwells in temples made of hands but we are the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. That's really cool. Um, I love the, the references to Moses in the wilderness and you know God would dwell in the temple and some people say that they wish they could be back in the Old Testament times when God would speak directly. But we're really privileged because we don't have to do that. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. And that's really good. He's put us the Holy Spirit in us to be the light in us as a guarantee. The third question, who are we as a result? Who are we as a result of having the light put inside us, being rescued from the darkness, and being transferred into the kingdom of the Son of his love? Who are we? It's very clear that our identity has changed, right? Amen? We are not the same. Because I am the light of the world, I should excel in everything that, that I do. Now, some of us might be more introverted than others. Um, right, is there any, show of hands, who's sort of introverted? Like, kind of doesn't want to be seen, like, oh, don't make me go up front. Okay, yeah, my husband is raising his hand and my daughter. <laughs> um, yes, and, and I understand that because although I sometimes get up and speak, I kind of, I, I'm not a morning person at all. And so I really don't feel like being friendly in the morning. As a teacher, I was kind of forced to be that way. As soon as that first student came in the room, I would be bubbly, but I would be faking it, honestly. I would be faking it for the first hour until it kicked in. And when I think about it, I'm not always um, really crazy about being the light early in the morning. <laughs> um, I think some people think of the Christian experience as, well, 
it's, it's my walk with God. It's my personal experience. It's, it's kind of something that I can keep to myself, but it's not what Scripture says, right? Because the truth is, you, because of what Jesus has done, because he is the light, and because he dwells in us, we are the light, and he's not here. He's not at your job. He's not at your school. He's not, at, he's not in, your, in your home. You are. And you are his light. And you have the privilege to reflect him. And I think we can all agree that it's, it's not that they're looking at us. Um, this, this little um, container that I bought is a good example. I would say that if you just looked at this container, unless you kind of like old things like I do, you would say, oh, this is, there's nothing special about it. Well, that's true. I mean, what you notice in this vessel is you notice the light inside. That's what attracts others. That's what makes you attractive. So it's not that we're drawing people to ourselves. We're drawing people to the light that's in us. That's the difference. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will raise you up. So shine your light before men so that he can be glorified. And in the scripture that we read this morning, and I'm going to turn to that again, in Galatians 5, chapter 5, whoops. Chapter 5, when it, when it speaks of walking in the light, I need glasses, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> particular verse I'm looking for is, yeah, I, I have that one, but it's actually, I'm thinking of another one. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about the one that says that we shine because we are the glory of God. And I thought it was in the end of this chapter. Um, we are to shine because we glorify him. So the, the point is, is that the, the reason why we shine is not for ourselves. And I'm just saying that to encourage anyone who feels maybe a little bit shy about doing that. But here's the truth. At your workplace, you should be the one that becomes employee of the month. Right? Amen? Why? So you can glorify the Father who has qualified you to be saints in the light. He qualified you. You didn't qualify yourself, right? At school, I hope that you're getting an award for, for attendance or for, scholarship, for scholarly work. I hope that you shine in that way because it gives glory to him. When there's a promotion, I hope that everyone would say, oh, yeah, we knew that she would get it or we knew that he would get it. You know, he's always hardworking. He always does this. So that's something that I, I will admit I have to pray that I will not have the spirit of middle mediocrity, I guess I would call it, which is, uh, okay, I'm just going to do just enough to get by instead of going the extra mile to lift and glorify him up. And many times that means doing things that are only between you and the Lord that nobody else sees. Um, my husband is actually a really good example of that because he works in a place where uh, nothing, it's, it's not really, he does things that people don't notice um, necessarily, like his boss. So I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you, tell this little story. So basically what he, he's a park ranger for the city of Altamont. And so he, he many, he picks up 
a lot of times, even though it's not his job, if he sees trash laying down on the ground or if he sees something that needs painted, he'll just do it. He'll just do it. Even though he's a supervisor, he just gets dirty and he just does what he needs to do. Um, on time, um, he was, they were having a big event in the city and it was, I guess they had invited a pastor to come and the pastor didn't show up to do some kind of opening benediction. It was a secular event, but they wanted a pastor to like do some opening prayer. And I guess the pastor didn't show up and they said, oh, get Ken, he'll do it, he's a pastor. And he texted me and he said, they think I'm a pastor, what am I gonna do, oh no, because he's the one that raised his hand of being introverted. So he was like, oh, I can't believe this. And I said, oh, you'll be great, you know, you'll, you'll do great. You'll, you'll, be a, you'll, you'll be shining your light before men. That's what I'm talking about. It might not be noticeable to your su supervisors. You might have a boss that's really difficult to work with. I don't know your life. I've had some very difficult bosses to work with in my life. But it's like you're not working for man, right? You're working for him. And people around do notice it, and it gives him glory. So we want to continue to do that. There's some other really good news that I want to share with you this morning, and that is that God uses broken vessels. We're not perfect. We're marred. We're broken. And I think there tends to be, a ten I think there's a tendency to some sometimes hide our brokenness because we don't want anyone to know because we want to appear that, well, we're Christian and we want to shine for Jesus, so we're going to act like everything is fine and happy all the time. And that's not what it means. What people really want to see is they want to see that you're a real person. And how do you respond to those situations? How do you respond? Well, we're broken too. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.6, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a really good scripture. We get to have knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God and not in us. Amen. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. That's heavy. That's heavy. That means I'm going to be honest about what I'm going through. When I'm hurting, I'm hurting. But I have hope. I have hope in Jesus. And here's what, Jesus, you know, here's what I'm doing. I have Jesus to go through, go to. And I think what ends up happening when you're vulnerable with other people and you let them see your brokenness, they feel comfortable to share with you your, their brokenness. If you, even if, whether you're a young person at school or whether you're, you know, whether you're um, in the senior time of your life, people are going to know that they can come to you when they have difficulty because they're going to see something about you that's different in the way that you handle your struggle. They're going to know that something is different. This is an opportunity for, as the scripture says, for his strength to be made perfect in our weakness. So what does it really mean to have the light of Jesus in us? Well, to walk in Jesus. 
and to try to please him, right? It's really pretty simple. The scriptures say, walk in light. So we have Jesus, and we, want, we love him because he took us from darkness to light. He did so much for us. We just want to please him. And the scriptures also say, you are holy, so be holy. Which I always thought that was so strange. You are holy, so now be holy. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> so he's saying, I made you holy. I have called you holy. You are a royal priesthood. You are a daughter. You are a son. Now it's time to walk that out. And what that looks like for you, I don't know. But something has to happen that comes from a head knowledge of, of you being holy or to knowing in your head, to really believing in your heart and walking that out, taking steps of faith to walk out what that holiness looks like. And that's something that, that you know for your own life what that is. We must stay connected to the source of our light. We can't conjure that up. No matter how much we try, I'm just going to be, I'm going to save the world today. I'm just going to, you know, find someone sad and I'm just going to do, 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 do. Our, our light comes out of being, not out of doing. It comes out of knowing who we are in Christ. It comes out of connecting to him in intimate times, in rough times, in difficult times, and then seeing every single person through the eyes and the heart of the Father. And I don't know if you've ever tried to, if you've ever asked the Father that question. I know that as a teacher, it's not always, okay, if teachers say they don't have favorites, that's a lie. I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry to break that bubble, but if they say that every child is loved equally the same, that's not true. Um, I mean, we do, but, you know, it's, well, well there's those that challenge us. And um, I, had, I had, you know, there's been some challenges throughout the years, students that, I just won't forget because they were just very, very challenging. And one little boy was very challenging. And I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was just something that irritated me. And that's not normal for me. I usually, like nothing really phases me. I'm pretty, usually pretty accepting. So, but there was something that bothered me about this child. And I just remember praying. And, and um, I was teaching four-year-olds and, and we were, we, were, we would turn on music and we were doing this thing. I was doing this thing with the students where they would stand on my feet and we would kind of walk around the room like this to the music. And, well, they, they would kind of just move around the room, dance around the room. Am I allowed to say dance? Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so they were letting different children take turns standing on my feet so we could, we could kind of move to the music. And I was giving different children turns and then he came up to me and he said, I want to turn. And... In that moment, I looked in his eyes and I said, help me to see him as you see him. And at that moment, I just felt this huge heart of compassion over his life. And I saw the father like say, I felt like he was saying in my heart, like, I, that's you. You grew up without a father. You grew up like him. That's you. And I loved you enough to be your father. I loved you enough. That's, that's you. And in that moment, I just felt the Father's heart over him, and I, I call it the day I danced with, I'm going to make up a different name, the day I danced with Johnny. I wrote a little poem about it, because it was like, wow, that is like, that was just a, a pivotal moment. And after that, I saw him completely differently. 
So those people that are in your life that are difficult, walking in the light is simply moving and making decisions out of the Father's heart. And we need to know the Father's heart before we can do that. We really do. We need to know the Father's heart over us. We need to see his love for us. We need to know what a big deal it is that he saved us while we were sinning. We need to have that grateful heart. And it's, it, being a light is just a natural thing that comes out of that heart. It's not something that, yes, we have to make purposeful steps to walk in that direction. We have to be purposeful and walk in that direction. But we're doing it because we have a Father's heart. We're doing it because he's called us holy. We're doing it because we are not ashamed of the gospel. We're doing it because that's what, that's what Jesus is doing inside of us. So to end, I want to ask you three questions that I want you to just reflect on for your own heart and your own life this morning. And I want you to remember that he has a purpose for each one of you, and you have something to offer the world. The lady that taught my Sabbath school class when I was young was 75 years old. It was nothing fancy. She had a, um, she would just take the quarterly and kind of read, but, but she loved me. And when I came in the Sabbath school room, she always said, hi, Lori, and she gave me a big hug. And I loved her. My sister did too. We loved her. And we knew that she loved us. And it made a difference in my life. You're not too old. You're not too old. And you're not too young. I'm going to give you an example of not too young real quick, before, and then I'll get, ask you the questions. I was uh, a director for Seminole Meadows for their child care center. It was a birth to five-year-old center. And we incorporated Bible curriculum into all of the other subjects. And we, were, we used to have chapel every morning, and we would sing songs. And I would say probably about 97% were non-Adventists. There was about 150 students there. So we had a huge opportunity to minister to, um, to the families that we had. And there was this one particular mom who enrolled her children. She had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And um, she was a single mom. I didn't know a whole lot about her except for that she was really struggled to pay her tuition. And one day she came in to me and she said, she sat down and she said, I want to I wanna talk to you about something. And I said, what? And she said, I have been thinking, I've been having a really rough time and I've been wondering what is the point of even being here. You know, my daughters, I know that I need to be there for them. And she said, I was at a really particularly low moment and I was driving and and the enemy put a thought in her mind, like, what if you just kept driving and just, like, drove off this bridge? Like, she kind of had thoughts of wanting to end her life. And out of the blue, she didn't, she was thinking this. She wasn't saying it out loud. She was just thinking, like, what is my purpose? I could just drive off this bridge right now. And her two-year-old in the back seat of the car started singing, he's able, he's able, my God, he's able. I know my God is able to carry you through. And, she, and she, 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 she changed her life right then. And then she came and talked to me, and I was able to, you know, that was a doorway for me to be able to minister. A two-year-old. Two-year-old. You're not too young. You're never, ever too old to shine the light of Jesus. Here's the, here's the three questions. Is there in you a connection to the light?
In other words, do you have a relationship with Jesus? I'm not talking about the relationship that your parents have with Jesus. If you're a young person, I'm not talking about what you do because it's a tradition. I'm saying, is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And if you really feel like you've never really had your own relationship with him, he wants to have that relationship with you. And you don't have to do any, we don't have to do anything fancy or have an altar call to do that. You can just tell him in your heart, I, I want to have a relationship with you. I want this to be real, what's between you and me. I want to understand what your love is and your heart is for me. And you can, if you're a young person, you can go to someone that is, is one, of your, one of your elders, one of your deacons, one of your, someone that you trust, and you can tell them, like, I want to learn more about it. Like, I really want to follow him. I really want him in my heart. The second question is, is there within you an urgency for the world, for the darkness in the world. Do you feel passionate about the fact that there are people that are in darkness, that don't have the light that you are walking by or walking with or rubbing shoulders with every day? Do you really see how urgent it is to share the light of Jesus to a dark world? Do you feel that urgency? And maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. And if you don't, Ask God to show you his heart, and what you're going to find is that his heart is burning, and he's given you the awesome privilege of being able to be that light. And then the third question I would ask you is, is there a distinction in your life today? If, when you're at work or when you're at school, is there anything about you that is different, that stands out? Is there anything that, that is different? And you know in your heart the answer to that. And I know in my heart, I think about it, it's easy, I think, when you work for a, a Christian organization and you go in and, you know, you assume that everybody's, everybody's a Christian, so I work with Christians so I can just go and stay to myself and go and get my work done. But that's, that's me being mediocre, actually, you know. That's me not keeping my eyes open for what the Father might want to do through me. So I know for me, there's areas that the Father's calling me more into. So I'd just like you to think about that. And I'm actually going to pray, and then I'm going to show you a short, um, I'm going to show you a short video clip after we have our prayer. But I just want to pray for us so as we take a moment to think about those questions. Jesus, first of all, thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the good news that, that you've rescued us and that it's not anything that we do of ourselves. Pray that we will have a greater revelation of your love for us today. And if there's someone here that has never really fully accepted you as their Savior, God, I pray that they do this right now, Jesus, that they just whisper a prayer in their heart to you and say, I want to know you more. Because the truth is, you are so irresistible. You're our whole entire reason for being and I want to pray for those of us who have maybe been in the church for our whole life. And maybe we're tired of hearing about Jesus coming again soon, and we're just kind of letting each day go by uneventfully. Stir that passion in our heart again. Stir that urgency to shed, spread the gospel and share the light for your glory. And I pray that, that we would all stand out for you, Jesus. I pray that even in our most difficult circumstances, that we'll shine. 
In your holy name, amen. The video I wanted to show you is, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to show it, and then I came here and I saw that there's a lot of young people here. Um, there's a conference called Passion Conference. It's in Atlanta, and there's approximately 60,000 18 to 24-year-olds. And I've had the privilege of going and taking um, young people for the past five years. And this one particular year, <clears throat> they were trying to raise money for uh, slavery. There's 27 million slaves, um, and especially sex slave trafficking, um, spot, putting a spotlight on that. And they were trying to raise money to give to all these organizations to put an end to it. And they called it the, the End It Movement. And um, they kind of set a goal, here's how much money we want to raise, but everyone was really skeptical because we're talking about mostly college students and they're broke, believe me. I, I, I have a gathering at my house on Friday nights for, young, for youth and I, I think that they think food just lands there, you know? It's just like, you know, one time there was a little miscommunication, the pizza wasn't there and it was just like, there's no food, what am I gonna do? I don't have money. So, um, it was really, really a blessing to see how when young people of this generation get together, the difference that they can make. We might not think that our $5 offering or our $10 offering is gonna make a difference, but when we all work together, it makes a huge difference. And, and there's something, um, I do a lot of reading and a lot of research on this generation, the 18 to 24 year olds. They're different than any other generation right now that we've ever had. They want change. They want to make a difference and they have the ability and the intellect to know how to do it. They're world changers. And so I'm very privileged to be able to work with them and just wanted to show you a little clip of this is the result of, of uh, the end of that campaign. And actually, my husband and I, it was really cold. It was like 30 degrees outside. And they made us hold candles. And my husband leaned over and said, I'm not coming back next year. Because <laughs> it was really cold and it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And who does that? <laughs> So, but anyways, I, go, you can go ahead and show the clip. 1,000 young Christians from around the country and around the world held candles aloft in the frosty air. Their own faces shine back at them from a massive cube set up outside the Georgia Dome. Faces of those who have pledged to light up the world and put an end to human trafficking in their lifetimes. Slavery is trapped in dark places all over the world. It's trapped here in Atlanta, in the shadows. It's in the shadows in Mumbai, India. It's in the shadows in Cambodia. It's in the shadows around the world in brothels and factories. These 60,000 students, they're gonna shine a light on slavery. For many, this is a journey of the Christian faith, one that brings them here to the Passion Conference to worship, pray, and learn. For the past two years, they've been focusing on the unholy scourge of sexual slavery and forced labor, the 27 million victims, the billions of dollars churned out by robbing men, women, and children of their freedom. These young men and women are determined to change that. Truth is spoken here, and where truth is spoken, things change. We're gonna raise the awareness, we're gonna fight for those that don't have a voice, um, and we're just gonna tell people about it. We're gonna let this world know that there's an issue and we're not okay with it to just know that this is out there and like it, it just opened my eyes to all this like I had no idea this was really going on 
and then like I just want to be able to help as much as I can. The reason I'm so excited about this generation is that they have an understanding that they don't want to tolerate slavery. They don't want to tolerate mass atrocity in the world and do nothing about it. Gary Hagan's international justice mission is just one of more than a dozen groups singled out by passion organizers for support. This is about students starting a journey of justice, that their entire lives would count for justice, their entire lives would count for freedom, and that's happening here. Last year, the event raised three and a half million dollars. With 20,000 more participants this year, tablet computers were used to help speed the donation process. Some of the money comes from the students themselves. More was raised in their communities. It will be used to help raise awareness, rescue victims, and help them restore their lives. These Christian students have all donated their money and now they're posing for pictures that will make a personal statement. We're in it to end it. Each and every one of them knows that human trafficking hangs like a darkness over the world, but they're making a personal commitment to being the ones to hold the candles to shine the light of freedom. Jim Clancy, CNN Atlanta. Amen. That's what we as Christians should be known for. Amen? Making a difference. So, um, I actually feel this morning to actually ask the young people from our, our children, from, you know, two, three years old, all the way up to uh, 28, to stand, if you would, please. Any, if you don't mind, I'd just like you to stand. Amen. This is, this is your generation changers right here. <laughs> these, are your, these are your light for this next generation that's coming up. And as a church family, you have the privilege of being able to sow into them so that they can then go out and be the light of the world. I just want to pray over you real quick, if that's okay. Jesus, I thank you for the young men and women who have stood up right now as your light bearers. As they stand up, they stand as saying, like, I want to be your light. I want to change my generation. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. I want to walk in you. I want to live in you. So I just want to pray over them right now that they not forget today. I just want to pray blessings upon them. I want to pray courage. I want to pray boldness because we know that right now, as it says in our text today, some, some don't want the light. They, they love the darkness. And because of that, there's going to be persecution. I just pray that you'll be strong in them, God, that they will lean on you as they go out to be the light of the world in your name. Amen. Thank you so much.